Welcome to the Julius Baer Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 10th of January, with me, Bernadette Anderko. Today, Darian Messi is going to be providing an update on what's going on in the bond markets. And as the 2023 Q4 earnings season is about to kick off, it's great that our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rashita, is joining the show to give us a preview on what he expects. But first, we're going to get the highlights on the latest markets action with Lucia Chichulovic. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning, Bernadette. So, Lucia, we've talked a lot in previous episodes about the poor start for the year for equities, and yesterday wasn't really uh, much different. Stocks have extended this year's losses, and there were a a few company-specific news items that drove markets, right? Yeah, that's right, Bernadette. Samsung, for example, posted its sixth consecutive quarter of declining operating profit, which briefly dragged other tech stocks down. And Boeing is down almost 10% this week following the mid-flight blowout. But there were also some positive news like Juniper Networks shares that jumped after news reports stated that the company could be sold to Hewlett-Packard. In fact, many investors remain in a wait-and-see mode, now waiting for the earnings season to begin, and there's likely to be some jitters along the way. But I'm sure Mathieu will have more to say on that later in the show. Now, Back to yesterday's action, in the US, the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones posted losses, while the Nasdaq Composite was able to end the day slightly higher. European markets were also down, with Switzerland being the only region with gains. Now, global investors are turning their attention to the release of the latest US inflation data, which comes out tomorrow, and they hope to find further clues on the state of the US economy and the future monetary policy path. Yeah, indeed. Um, And overnight, most Asia-Pacific markets were down, but uh, Japanese stocks powered ahead. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, so the overall market sentiment in Asian trading hours remained muted, and most regions traded in the red. But Japanese stocks were the clear outperformer. The Broad Topics Index rose to touch a 34-year peak, while the Nikkei 225 jumped over 2% after the benchmark hit its highest level since 1990 yesterday. Japanese stocks are supported by the weaker yen, which especially benefits exporters. Now, Australia's shares were lower despite inflation hitting a near two-year low, and South Korea's Kospi index slipped as the country's unemployment rate hit a 23-month high. All right, so that's it for Asia. Now, coming to the U.S. inflation data due out tomorrow, um, U.S. Treasury yields were higher yesterday ahead of this data release. Where do they stand now? So the yield on the 10-year Treasury is currently slightly above 4%, while the two-year yield is at about 4.35%. Bloomberg reports that bond traders are turning to the short-dated maturity Treasury options to hedge against the potential of Treasury yields rising in the coming days. And you know, Bernadette, I feel like a broken record, but the key question in the market right now is really when and how many times the Federal Reserve will cut interest rates this year. The central bank said last month that it expects three cuts, but some investors are hoping for more. So investors are really grasping for any clues as to the state of the US economy and where rates are going from here. Okay, well, speaking of which, uh, we received uh, US trade data yesterday, as well as the US Small Business Optimism Index. What did they tell us about the state of the US economy? So as for the trade balance, the US trade deficit unexpectedly narrowed in November, driven by a pickup in services exports and a slight decline in imports of merchandise. But still, imports remain elevated thanks to resilient consumer spending. 
Meanwhile, confidence among U.S. small business owners has improved and they appear to believe that business conditions are stabilizing rather than worsening. Nevertheless, attracting new talent and filling open positions remains a key challenge with more companies reporting a decline in staffing levels for the ninth consecutive month. All right. So now then moving on to the world of crypto, uh, Bitcoin last night jumped to uh, almost $48,000 before falling again to nearly $45,000 within minutes. So what happened there? So as you know, investors are anticipating the decision by the US Securities and Exchange Commission on the first ever spot Bitcoin ETF. And yesterday evening, there was a false post from the SEC's official Twitter account claiming that the regulator had approved the ETF. But just 10 minutes later, the SEC chair explained that their account was hacked and the news was not true. So all eyes remain on Bitcoin today, as today is the deadline for the SEC to approve or reject the spot Bitcoin ETF. And yesterday's market action shows what we can expect when the agency finally makes its decision. Yes, certainly uh, something to keep an eye on. So what can investors expect for the day ahead, Litsia? So today's agenda is very light and everyone's waiting for US inflation data tomorrow. As for where markets are headed today, futures in the US and Europe are in the red with the exception of Switzerland. Thanks very much for the overview, Lucia. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. So now it's time to look at the bond markets with uh, Dario Messi. Good morning, Dario. Good morning, Bernadette. Last year, we said that the fiscal outlook for the US was going to be crucial going forwards, not just for the economy overall, but uh, specifically for the bond market. And now apparently Democrats and Republicans have found an agreement for the budget. So what does this actually mean? Um, yes, indeed, the, the fiscal developments will be key. And uh, that's true. It's also already now part really of our daily uh, discussion points. Um, and yes, just over the weekend, we, we received the headline that Democrats and Republicans found an agreement, at least on top-line numbers for the budget. Um, the deal includes 1.66 trillion US dollar overall spending. This is more, uh, even more than, than last year's spending and also some 70 billion more than what was discussed last year uh, for the budget planning. So also important, uh, I think, it's the non-defense discretionary bucket, which gets allocated more. Um, and uh, we still need to get a final deal now, which which will include include then also more details on the single budget deals. Um, and this also will need then to be passed through the House and the Senate. Um, but overall, this development definitely reduces the chances of a, of a government shutdown. And with that, also some risk of uh, growth headwinds. Um, on top of that, also uh, a higher deficit. Uh, higher deficit simply also means again more financing uh, need by the treasury. Um, so overall, not a super bond-friendly development. Um, we see so far on the fiscal side, at least not uh, from an isolated perspective. All right. So you mentioned the need for issuance there, and and just this week we've already seen the U.S. Treasury raising funds. How did it go so far? Yes, exactly. We have an important treasury auction uh, with the three-year, 10-year and 30-year notes scheduled for this week. Um, the treasury is under pressure um, also to, to issue some longer-term debt if we consider um, that there was a lot of short-term funding in the recent past and much is going to, to mature in the next 12 months. Um, this auctions are also very important because in these events, it shows how much uh, appetite there is for, for these notes. 
Yesterday, we, we got already the three-year auction, and it seems there was a really sufficient demand. Uh, the yield stopped uh, even a bit below uh, of market expectations. And um, yeah, without going into the, the technicals here, but just quickly, the bid to cover ratio, this is a measure which signals the aggregate demand. This one also improved compared to the previous auction. So in other words, the auction went actually pretty smoothly so far. Um, today, we get the auction for the 10-year note, will certainly also be worthwhile to, to monitor that one. All right, then. Um, and before I let you go, Lucia already touched on inflation earlier. Um, when it comes to tomorrow's CPI data, that's obviously another possible driver for bond yields. What do you expect? Yes, uh, CPI, uh, Lucia mentioned it. It's it's uh, something everyone is looking at at the moment. Always a good reason also for some uh, bond volatility these days anyway. Core is expected at 3.8% on a year-on-year basis. When we compare it to the previous month, November, there it was at 4%. Headline inflation, including the more volatile elements, uh, elements such as energy and food, uh, on the other side, there we could see a, a slight uptick on a year-on-year basis at least. This is pretty similar as what we saw last week in the Eurozone. I guess what will also be crucial then uh, once again is is what the shelter component will do. It's still contributing uh, to a surprisingly sticky part of of the inflation dynamics. Now, as always, just as a as a last note from my side, a single number is is never that important from a more big picture perspective. It's really more about the trend, about the direction. And here we we still believe that this year will still be about disinflation. Um, we see it also in the labor market signals. Yes, it, it's still very solid, but it's not so unbalanced or or overheated um, that there is the risk of continued huge wage growth, then adding again pressure on consumer prices. And um, this risk is probably still rather limited from our perspective. All right. Thanks very much for the update, Dario. And uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Bernadette. And now moving on from bonds to equities, uh, the 2023 Q4 earnings season is about to kick off. Uh, Mathieu Rachete is here to tell us what to expect. Good morning, Mathieu. Good morning, Bernadette. So Mathieu, as ever, the um, the US earnings season will begin with the big banks and uh, several large US banks will report results later this week. Can you talk us through the current expectations, please? Yes, so the new year means also the start of the Q4 earnings season. If you look at the latest numbers overall, um, consensus estimates an increase in earnings of 1.3% in Q4 compared to the same quarter in the previous year. This number has been sharply revised down from 8.1% just three months ago. So this implies a downward revision of almost 7%, which is roughly twice the amount as usual. So in other words, analysts have turned more pessimistic than usual ahead of the start of the season. In terms of sectors, it's especially communications and utilities that are expected to show the highest earnings growth. And on the other side of the spectrum, we have the commodity-related sectors, which are dragging EPS growth expectations down for the index. All right, but uh, some companies already report ahead of time, and, and that's usually offering a good indication of what's to follow. So what have we seen from the early reporters so far? 
So they are telling us some good and some bad news. The good news is that the beat rate of the early reports has been quite good. So 85% have beaten earnings expectations, which compares to a 10-year average of 70%. So this is usually a strong indication that the beat rate for the overall S&P 500 will be solid as well. The negative news is that they're beating at a lower margin um, compared to previous quarters. So overall, this indicates that the earnings season should turn out to be a good one in terms of beats, but less surprise on the aggregate number. Or put it into other words, the earnings season should be supportive for equity markets, but to a smaller extent than previous quarters. All right, then. So um, looking at the, the full year of 2024 ahead, what are the consensus expectations and how do they compare to those of your strategy team? So if you look at current consensus estimates for the full year of 2024, consensus is expecting roughly 12% of earnings growth for the S&P 500. We think that is rather on the optimistic side. So we ourselves have 8% in our books, but you know, high expectations at the beginning of the year followed by downgrades throughout the year is the usual playbook in equity markets. So expecting downgrades from a high level is not a reason to be bearish on equities. In fact, if earnings growth ends up to be around our estimates of 8% for this year, equities should have a good year ahead. So if you break it down uh, to the sector level, uh, the three sectors that are expected to deliver the highest earnings growth this year are communications, IT and healthcare, which are also our three favorite sectors uh, to be positioned this year. So we continue to recommend staying invested in equities. Super. Thank you, Mathieu, for your insights. And I hope we can have you back on the show in the coming weeks to keep us updated with how the earnings season unfolds. Absolutely. And thanks for having me today, Bernadette. Okay, uh, well, that's it for today's podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and, of course, you for listening. Don't forget to join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back hosting more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.